This is an ABC podcast. Hi, this is David Rutledge. You're in the Philosopher's Zone once again. Welcome to the show. If you were living under lockdown at any point during the height of the COVID pandemic, and the chances are that you most probably were, you might have noticed some weird things happening to your perception of time. And if you did, then you're definitely not alone. There's some really interesting interdisciplinary work going on right now at Deakin University in Melbourne, where a philosopher and a historian and a sociologist are looking into what's turning out to have been a widespread experience of temporal distortion during COVID lockdown. Patrick Stokes has the story. Good evening, Australia. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the global coronavirus. Life is changing in Australia and around the world. Those were the sobering words of the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, this week, as governments and institutions moved aggressively... Stop me if you've heard this one. What's the hardest part of a five-day lockdown? The first month. The Premier says it can't continue and has announced a new lockdown for metropolitan Melbourne and the Mitchell Shire. If you have heard that joke, you were probably living in Melbourne during the worst days of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. Staying at home except for the four reasons to leave, effective from midnight tomorrow night. Between March 2020 and October 2021, Melbourne was in lockdown six times for a total of 262 days. Sydney experienced a 107-day lockdown in 2021, and other parts of the country experienced a range of different restrictions at different times. Shopping and exercise should be within five kilometres of your house. And as the long months of lockdown started to add up, the pandemic also seemed to change our relationship to one of the most fundamental aspects of existence. Like so many Melbourne folks, some of my colleagues here at Deakin University found that strange things were happening to their sense of time. I did start to notice that I was having trouble putting things on a timeline. Um, I mean, I could definitely identify things from the before times, um, so from pre-March 2020, let's say, but anything after that, just in ordinary conversation, I found myself having a bit of trouble with that. Uh, and maybe historians are particularly alert <laughs> to putting things on a timeline. And I just noticed other people that I might have been talking to were having the same kind of trouble or just seemed to occasionally have the same kind of trouble. And maybe would say things like, oh, who can remember when that was? You know, what is time anymore? What even is time? Who knows? Um, those kind of conversations. I'm Dr Sarah Pinto and I'm a senior lecturer in history at Deakin University. So I was trying to think about when I last caught up with a group of my friends, I went to a 50th and that was, uh, seemed to me like it was just yesterday, but it was three years ago or something like that because the whole, to whole COVID period had sort of uh, didn't have enough markers to temporarily sort of differentiate one moment from another and it felt like I'd seen him recently, but it was a long time ago. Uh, I'm Jack Reynolds, Professor of Philosophy at Deakin University. I didn't feel like I got lost in a fog of time as much as just the, the endless stretching of days. And so that sense of um, sort of anomalous temporal experience was very much my experience, but I had younger, I had, you know, older teenagers in my household and they seemed to be more affected. 
I'm Andrew Singleton. I'm Professor of Sociology and Social Research at Deakin University. It seemed like an entire city of five million people was undergoing some sort of mass temporal distortion. But was it really? And how could we understand and explain such a phenomenon if it was? The historian, the philosopher and the sociologist decided to find out. So the motivation for this project was our colleague Sarah Pinto, who pitched it to me one day here at Deakin Downtown, and we later recruited Andrew Singleton. And she just happened to notice that she does history, which is concerned with time, and I'm a philosopher of time, and she figured there might be some anomalies or interesting things about temporal experience that we could explore together. And I'm like renter researcher, so... <laughs> One of my specialties is quantitative research and I have a good working relationship with Jack and Sarah and so when they proposed this and said they wanted to do a survey, it's like, yeah, that's within my bailiwick to kind of work with them to do that. Philosophy has a reputation for being non-empirical. So what does the philosophy of time contribute to a research project like this one? I guess I would say from the start that I don't think that this project would be possible without philosophical involvement. For myself, my expertise is really in memory and commemoration and the way that the past is used or comes to figure in the present. And so if I had just been doing something like this myself, I think I would probably be more directed or more interested in the way that lockdowns might have produced different kinds of relationships to the past for people so that people might, for example, have felt more nostalgic or engaged with particular histories more. So, for example, of the 1918 to 19 influenza pandemic. So that is still sort of about temporal experience, I guess, in a way, or about time, about people's relationship to the past. But that's quite different, right, to the kind of research that we've been doing. To my understanding, there is no sociology of time. It's too much of an abstract concept for us. I'm sure that there's you know, an interest in kind of time use with industrialisation and the emergence of Fordism. We would have looked at the social impact of time use and timetable on on people's sort of uh, experience, but in a very concrete kind of sense, not in this kind of more conceptual philosophical sense. So for me, it was new to kind of think about sort of operationalising this as a kind of a sociological construct we might start to measure with a survey. As Jack Reynolds explains... Phenomenological approaches to time actually give us a great deal of what we need to explore anomalous time experience. One of the things we're claiming in our paper underway is that what we did with the surveys is front load, this is a kind of technical term, front load some phenomenological concepts or philosophical concepts and ideas into the survey. So it's a kind of empirical use of philosophy that we're trying to do. So some of the things are these distinctions between implicit aspects of time experience and explicit aspects. So explicit aspects would be when you do mental time travel, when you think about your past, like I was talking about thinking about my past, my friend's 50th, or when you think about our future, when we'll be retired and things like that, that's explicit. But there's also all these implicit aspects of temporal experience too, where you're not deliberately attending to time but you are feeling rushed or you're feeling a certain effective 
anxiety, perhaps. This is something else that Heidegger and other phenomenologists have talked about, which reveal a kind of temporal comportment or orientation to one's world. However, that idea of anomalous time experience already puts philosophy in tension with some other disciplines, as historian Sarah Pinto explains. Anomalous is just not a term that I would usually work with or engage with. It's not something that I would typically think about. And when uh, Jack first started talking about that, I did feel like it implied a norm. And, you know, historians are often about denaturalising phenomena. And so that implication of the norm was a bit tricky for me in trying to think about, you know, how to describe what might have been happening in that period of time. But it made me think about it in a different way and think about something being anomalous in different ways for different people, for example, so not necessarily implying a kind of collective norm. While the phenomenology of time might also supply some useful concepts, sociologist Andrew Singleton found he had a lot of work to do translating those concepts in a way that could be useful in survey-based research. Jack and Sarah sort of identified the kinds of temporal experiences that they were interested in, and I'm sure we'll touch on them shortly, and then sort of wrote out a, a wish list of this is what it feels like, you know, the temporal experience itself. And I was thinking, it's fine, but you can't ask it that way. So we needed to just shape it somewhat so it works in the kind of uh, survey mode. So it's not too ambiguous what you're asking about and you're only measuring one kind of concept and it's crystal clear. So I feel like we retained the philosophical essence, but kind of bashed it into sociological shape to ask in a survey. Work that's been done in the phenomenology of time, as well as psychology, suggests that time distortions are actually frequent features of our experience, particularly for people in extreme situations like prison, and also for people experiencing conditions like depression. People are walking around every day with different sorts of temporalities at play in their lives. So, for example, you know, psychologists would say that people who are grieving often have a quite we might say disrupted or a different kind of experience of time. Actually, a philosopher, Susan Riley, wrote a really beautiful book about that, about her own grief after the death of her son, and it's called Time Lived Without Its Flow, um, which, yeah, I think is very evocative. There was one sociologist that we read, though, Sarah and I did, and this was not in the project directly with Andrew, but in a sort of side project that we were running. His name was Michael Flaherty. And he has books on time agency and textures of time and things like that. But the book that we read and was of interest to us, it was a book about, he co-wrote it with someone who was in prison, incarcerated for a long time. And so this was a way of starting to think about what being enclosed for a long time in relatively confined quarters might do to your experiences of time. So I I think that's sort of broadly a sociological, but maybe anthropological treatment of temporal experience that we engaged with and, you know, was useful for thinking about the situation of lockdowns that we faced. Obviously, they weren't like the situation of lockdowns in prison exactly, but there were some parallels, we thought, at least. So people who are grieving, people who might be ill, so experiencing illness or caring for others who are ill, you know, I think that can kind of pull you out, um, disorient you perhaps to what seems like ordinary time, the passing of time some men in particular, but some prisoners go into prison 
uh, they might be in prison for 20 years because there aren't discernible markers of their time in prison because every day is similar or the same. They come out feeling like they are narratively for themselves the same age as when they went in. So they, they come out looking like an old person, but they feel like they went in if it was 18 or 25 or something like that. I had a context in my life when a few years prior I was living in Papua New Guinea in the Highlands, which is there's capacity for violence, particularly against foreign nationals there. And I, the strongest comparable experience I had in terms of negative temporal experiences was living in a compound with very few opportunities to go out. And for me, COVID, I remember there's striking parallels to that sense of containment. So I don't think it's just historical periods of time. I think it's places and spaces in which people might find themselves contained. We have this disjunction with all sorts of things. So it's not peculiar to COVID or lockdown. I mean, if you're bored, you're experiencing time going slowly, usually. If you're in an immersive experience, like playing sport with your friends, you might not notice time passing. So we already there's already a sense in which our engagement with time is variable. It can speed up or slow down for us. But social and historical or ex- external conditions can cause us to feel one way or another. And I guess one of my hypotheses going in was that the social and external situation of stay-at-home orders could induce something like depression. And we did see some evidence of that. So in depression, people often feel time has slowed down, which many people attested to feeling. In depression, there's typically the future seems sort of distant or or not exerting any pull or you don't have narrative goals that are sort of motivating you day to day. The future seems a long way away, perhaps in depression. So people reported that sort of experience too. I mean, one of the differences is if you have um, severe depression, people talk about guilt um, being a major relationship to the past. So you you feel guilty somehow intrinsically for yourself. Um, I I don't think there's any evidence that that I saw that uh, COVID-19 and lockdown experiences induced that sort of experience of guilt. But some of the other things are quite closely related to depression. So yeah, it is a cause for concern, especially for vulnerable groups, for young people, for women and the like. And uh, obviously, the longer or more stringent the lockdowns, the more there is to worry about that, I think. On Radio National and the ABC Listen app, this is the Philosopher's Zone, where this week Patrick Stokes is taking us through a fascinating project that's been going on at Melbourne's Deakin University, exploring a very common experience that people had under lockdown during the height of the COVID pandemic, of time becoming distorted and weirdly pulled out of shape. More details at the end of the program. When the research team got their data back, the results were striking. Nearly half of those surveyed found that the COVID lockdowns had done noticeable things to their sense of time. We did find that a significant number of people reported a sort of disruption or something different. So particularly a significant number of people reported time as having slowed, so the experience of time slowing down, 
and also significant number of people reported disorientation in time or towards time perhaps. So a disorientation towards the passing of hours or days or weeks. A lot of people did find that time slowed down during this period. There were some other people who said that time sped up or that both were simultaneously happening and this might be the nature of days compared to weeks or months. And I guess one of the things that the anthropause caused, as it's sometimes called, an anthropause, it caused people to think about how they're living or inhabiting time. And so, you know, we might not usually do that. While I was the head of school being busy, I wasn't thinking too much about it. But, you know, if it was such that you had more time on your hands, you might think about what you're doing with time in a way that you hadn't previously. At least that's one thing that we think happened for some people. So it was quite a few experiences in which at least half the population said that they'd experienced some kind of temporal experience in lockdown. So did you reflect on the past more than usual during lockdown? So at least half the population said, yes, that experience happened to me. Yeah, there are also disruptions to the flow of time that people reported or difficulties locating themselves in time. So these were asymmetries or that's probably not the right word, anomalies of temporal experience. Probably the one that I thought would be most commonly reported, and it was right up there, was this sense that we feel like time is slowing down. The hours and days are dragging on with unbearable slowness. And, you know, 55% of our sample said, yes, that happened to me. But then post-COVID, only 19% said that happened to them. So that's that significant drop, 36%. So I think that was very telling. Some people, but not quite as many people, did report other sorts of disrupted temporal experiences like a sense of time stopping or a sense of time speeding up. And the other one is that time moves at a different speed from that of other people or that we're out of sync with the events of everyday life. And again, about the same proportion. Half of people said that happened to me during lockdown and then that dropped by more than 30% to post-lockdowns. People became unstuck in time in various ways during covid As Jack Reynolds explains, even though this was on a mass or even collective scale, these are the sort of time distortions that people sometimes experience locally. There are some psychopathologies, but also everyday experiences, including experiences in prisons that we're talking about, in which the world is rushing by, but we're sort of standing still or vice versa. So there's a gap between our our lived time as an individual and external events, let's say the progression of COVID, which you're reading about on the news or seeing Dan Andrews' report, you feel like you're still perhaps, and yet all this stuff is happening out there. So you're distant from the world somehow. That So I think that's probably what they were picking up in answering that question. That would be my speculation, at least. The economic and social effects of the COVID disruption weren't evenly spread across the community. Not everyone could work from home, for one thing. And the survey likewise revealed that these time distortions hit some demographics much harder than others. We did ask about gender and age, and those results were quite interesting and unexpected. I think there was really large gender differences. Women were far more likely to report the particular temporal experience compared to men. And I just think that's really interesting. And I don't usually with gender-related stuff. I have an easy and convenient answer to that. And I'm not particularly sure in this situation why that is the case. The question that we asked about 
whether people felt that time was slowing. Around two-thirds of women reported that they did experience that during the lockdown and less than half of men. And then that question, we also asked a question about disorientation, people feeling disoriented in time. And that was, again, about, I think, about two-thirds of women reported that and only one-third of men. Some of them were indeed living alone and found it especially difficult, partly because of that. I mean, we know that there are rules about special partners. I can't remember the legal term for special partners, but um, they were a bit nebulous and hard to follow the rules for, and people did feel alone. And yeah, some people reported that in very strong terms to us. I think there might be a range of different things at play, of course, as there always are. One of them might be that women are typically more engaged in caring, either for children or for older people, in caring in their own lives, but also in caring-related professions, and that the lockdowns produced a particularly acute kind of pressure on people who were caring in some way because the workload of that basically increased. I might also think about Australia specifically, and about the very high levels of housework, for example, that women typically do in comparison to men in Australia. So perhaps the impact of that, of an additional load, I guess what I'm suggesting is that the lockdowns may have produced particular circumstances that meant that women were more likely to be doing more than they had been doing previously in in some ways, and that that had particular temporal effects. Gender wasn't the only dividing line between different people and their experience of time during lockdown. Another was age. Younger people were much more likely to report a change or to report, say, the slowing of time or to report feeling disoriented in time. So particularly people between the ages of, I think it was 18 and 34, um, when we compare that to people over the age of 55. And again, sometimes those differences were quite pronounced. So for 18 to 34-year-olds, 71% reported that they felt time had slowed compared with only 43% of people aged over 55. And again, the disorientation is another one where the difference was quite pronounced. So again, 71% of 18 to 34-year-olds reported feeling disoriented in time at some point during the lockdowns and only 25% of people over the age of 55. It's tempting to explain this as a result of younger people's different experience of precarious work and insecurity. But the sociologist on the team, Andrew Singleton, isn't so sure. The young adults in my house were participating in the the sort of casual gig economy during COVID, and I don't think it assisted in their experience of time in terms of ameliorating it. In actual fact, it seemed to me that just being separated from their peers at a time of life in which peer gathering is so important to identity and experience, it just seemed to really contribute to their sense of isolation and I I think therefore their negative experiences of time that they reported, which is substantial in the same kind of differentiation between genders. There is definitely that in terms of the younger age groups, much more likely to report the negative experiences. Also, it actually made me think about the way that temporal experience might change across one's lifetime. So actually, yeah, now I think about it, I think 
there is some phenomenological research into this or a discussion of this about how time typically feels as though it has sped up as you're older. Um, and so it made me wonder about something to do with that. But then also I think we could probably speculate about the different ways that stay-at-home orders impacted on different age cohorts. So younger people perhaps more likely to have been employed in frontline so-called kind of work, um, less likely to be working, able to work from home, perhaps more likely to be very financially impacted. Younger people came out in our survey as having experienced lockdown as inducing strange temporal experiences. They reported that quite strongly and that may well be for reasons that you're indicating, not just that their social life was disrupted and they care a bit more about their social life perhaps than I do, um, but also, as you suggested, because they were you know, in gig economies, perhaps being required to work while... Uh, I was working, admittedly, but probably just sitting in my uh, study at home. So different sort of work, no doubt. People who are more likely to have felt that 2020 was a big change are people who are privileged in some way and so who are more used to controlling their own time um, or having some kind of sense of control over what they do with their time and how they do, how we, I should say, how we Um, use and manage our time and the amount of leisure time um, that we have. But I I would suggest that there are many people for whom that's not necessarily the case, who have less agency there. And so the shift is less of a shift, if that makes sense. What my colleagues have found is evidence of a major temporal disruption right across the community. Thankfully, the survey also seems to show that these time disturbances have now mostly resolved themselves, with one unsettling exception. There was one question where the response wasn't much different and it didn't really differ across gender or age. And that was a question about the future, about whether or not people felt the future was a place of opportunities and possibilities. Pretty consistently, only about a third of people said yes to that, either when they were in the lockdowns or reporting on their experiences under stay-at-home orders or when we took the survey and about a third consistently across gender and age. And I do think it's a little dispiriting in a way, right? I'm I'm interested in that particular result. So I'd want to go and look at other surveys of people's attitudes towards the future Um, at the moment to see if that's about where it lands or if that's different, particularly maybe surveys that were taken prior to 2020 to see if that's something that may have been produced by not the lockdowns necessarily but the pandemic um, and this global event. COVID-19 is very much still with us. Not all of the effects of the pandemic are immediately obvious. In trying to understand how the recent past has impacted on our sense of time, we not only uncover something about the history that we've all just lived through, but about our troubled connection to the future. Hopefully there won't be further stay-at-home orders, but if there are, I think we need to weigh some of these temporal considerations as well because they're related to well-being. You know, you want to have plans for the future, 
obviously if time feels like it's halted and you can't construct a narrative for yourself that can lead to depression so we think it's part of what government needs to consider in the unfortunate event that there were future such viral outbreaks but let's hope that there aren't. Jack Reynolds, Professor of Philosophy at Deakin University in Melbourne. You also heard Sarah Pinto, Senior Lecturer in History, and Andrew Singleton, Professor of Sociology, both at Deakin University. And the program was produced by Patrick Stokes. Pat is Associate Professor of Philosophy, also at Deakin. And I'm David Rutledge. You've been listening to The Philosopher's Zone. Thanks for your company this week. 